If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Happy, happy Friday, you guys. I am so happy that you're here today for this happy hour conversation with Melissa Zaldivar. I first met Melissa years ago at the IF Gathering when she was one of their interns, helping to make sure that all the things came together for the event. And since then, Melissa has moved back to the New England area, released the book, and she started a podcast called Cheer Her On. Today on the show, Melissa and I chat about her love for theology and women in the church. Melissa shares how in the last several years, she's become well acquainted with loss and what it has meant to navigate the pain of walking closely with a friend, battling till death from cancer. No matter the specifics of our circumstances, this conversation today is going to encourage you whenever you might face difficult times ahead. One of the things that Melissa has a passion for is cheering on others. And if you have been around me for a while, you know that's one of my passions as well. Melissa shares a memory from childhood today about a woman from church that was showing up and living out her gifts right where she was. Melissa remembers this woman. She is still impacted and influenced by her today from the way that she served others and lived out her gifts. Get this, right where she was. You guys, this woman that she talks about, she does have a book, a podcast, a platform, a blue check on her Instagram, but here's what she was. She was faithful right where God had her, living, loving, and serving her community, impacting a young girl named Melissa through the seemingly small acts, her service, her giftings, they mattered. And I want to tell you that yours matter as well. Friends, we are one week away from my newest book, UBU Entering the World. I would love for you to grab a copy of the book today. Pre-order it wherever you get your books, and it's going to show up on your doorstep next week on October 1st. And if you pre-order it, we have great goodies for you. That's one of the things we as authors love to do, to encourage you to order the book ahead of time. And one of those things that we have is a virtual happy hour book party next Wednesday on September 30th. I hope you can join us. If you just want to get more information, text UBU, all one word, no spaces, to 33777. That will give you all of the details of the upcoming release. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Melissa. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. I am glad to be here. I'm honored to have you. We have met in real life. Sometimes I have people on the show that I've actually never met until I see them on the screen, but we have met and... I am excited to chat with you today, and so I'm really looking forward to it. Introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, so my name's Melissa. I live just north of Boston, Massachusetts in New England. You know, this town is a small town, much like Gilmore Girls, so there's always some weird antic, horses in the road, whatever it is, and I'm a writer, I'm a podcast host, an author, 
And all around self-proclaimed Little Women fangirl, I give tours at the house where it was written. And so I love all things history and theology. And um, yeah, I'm just here for a good time, I guess. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad you're here for a good time because the good time is going to be had. But I need to confess two things to you. Number one, I've seen one episode of Gilmore Girls. And so the town, I'm like, oh, man, I can kind of think about it. Number two, I've never read Little Women. Okay. You want to know if it makes you feel better. And this is a big thing for me to admit as a tour guide. I realized this year that I hadn't ever finished reading Little Women. So I had started it like back in the day and then I'd seen all the films. And so I'm actually working on finishing it up because the other day I realized there was a bookmark there. And it wasn't finished. Okay. <laughs> I was like, oh. So when I show up to the house where Little Women was written, you're going to give me the tour? Yeah, absolutely. How long is the tour? Like, what am I going to learn? What am I going to see here? I mean, it's 30 to 45 minutes, depending on what the deal is. So so there's a house called the Orchard House in Concord, Massachusetts, the home of Concord Grapes and Welch's Grape Juice. Look, um, you are some other dots. so many facts here today. <laughs> I'm here for the fun facts. Um, okay. So yeah, so Concord, Massachusetts, there's a house and the house is actually... Half of the house was built in the 1600s. Half of it was built in the 1700s. And then in the 1800s, this family moved in, pushed the two halves together, made its own house in the 1800s. And so in that house is where Louisa May Alcott wrote Little Women. At the time, there was nothing written for girls. And so we just kind of walk our guests through the house. We talk about the different family members, things like that. And Louisa said she wasn't very good at relating to young girls. She didn't really like kids or like, you know, young girls, but she was like, you know, Like, I know my sisters, and so I'll just write a story about us. And that was her intention. She said, if there's a need, I will try to meet that need, which I love that spirit of her. Because it really is a spirit, in some ways, if we were to take it into the Christian world, like, that's discipleship. Like, if there's a need, I want to fill it. So she wrote it, and it became such a hit that she actually made more money than Mark Twain. A lot of people don't know that. So it was like the hit is in, you know, it's over 150 years old. So when you come to the house, we talk about that. And uh, we just talk about the family, who they were, and how they became easily one of the most influential families in sort of that Civil War era uh, part of America. I am so intrigued. I yeah. am, I've never even read the book. Now, I think I've seen movies, though. Yeah. Didn't one just come out last Christmas? Yeah, one just came out at Christmas. So, yeah, so very I saw exciting. that. I think that's the only one I've seen because, is it Winona? It is because we just call it at the Orchard House, we just refer to it as the writer. They're like, oh, they need a copy of the writer. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Okay. So that's just so interesting. Uh, Well, how did you end up there? Because I don't know how you got there. Yeah. So I moved up to New England. I actually originally lived here before we ever met. So eight years ago, I guess. And I came to seminary here. I went to Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And so people are like, I've never heard of that. I'm always like, ever heard of Tim Keller? Because that's where he went. He's like our like little poster child. So I love that. Yeah, I love it. Our poster pastor. So anyway, I came up here, got a master's degree in theology, and then moved down to Austin, which is where we met through If Gathering, things like that. And then about a year and a half ago, I thought to myself, where would I want to live? And I knew I loved it here. I mean, you have the seasons. It's beautiful. It's historic. And there's really not very many churches, Christians, anything like that. It's a very different culture. And so I thought, you know, I'd really love to spend some more time up there. And so I came up here just to have a different cultural experience than the last four years in the South. So I wanted to move back to New England just because I miss the seasons, the community here. And so about a year and a half ago, decided to move back. And when I did, just had a whole lot of transition. And so I left the job that I was at. I was looking for a job. 
And I needed something in the meantime while I was doing freelance and stuff that was just giving me routine. And I've always loved that house. I love, you know, American history, literary history. And so I had the opportunity to like go a couple days a week. So it's me. There are maybe about three or four younger gals that work there. And then the rest of them are all retired women and one or two men. So it's like really sweet to like get to sit there and hear these stories and ask these women so many questions about their lives because now they're into their 70s and 80s. And so it's just kind of a sweet little sisterhood at the house. And I thought I want to be part of it. So pre-COVID anyway, we would run tours. And once the movie came out, we stayed pretty busy. So I bet I bet you did. Do you dress in like a period piece or can you wear whatever you want? You know, I don't. Um, I'll sometimes, you know, we have to be professional, but like I'll sometimes wear things that remind me of the new film because I really love the costuming in the new film. So a little handkerchief around my neck or something. But (laughs) I don't do the full on hoop skirt thing because Uh, other gals do that. (laughs) (laughs) You'll let them do that. You'll let them do that. Okay, so you went up there to get your master's in theology. And I would like to hear from you just about if you have ever, like what led you to want to get your master's in theology? And I feel like maybe not so much anymore, but I think there was a season and a time where a lot of women were thinking, I don't know if I have the right to study scripture in depth like Mm -hmm. that. I don't know if that's for me. I don't want to be a pastor. Why do I need to get this? What is your take and encouragement towards us women uh, Mm. in regard to learning and studying God's word, the theology of it? Absolutely. I mean, so theology is literally the study of God, right? So when somebody thinks something about God or believes something about who he is, whether they're a professional minister or not, they are practicing theology. Theology is for all of us. And so there was a index card that someone had in seminary, like on their little study desk. And it said, all of us are theologians. You're just good ones or bad ones. Like you're either like (laughs) sharpening your skills or you're not. That's good. And so it's like, all of us are theologians. All of us have an opinion of who God is. And so the idea of studying theology for me, part of it came from, I always joke, like my Enneagram sixness, which is the six is known to like, you know, is that, are you a six? I'm a six. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. So the six is known for a desire to like make sure your bases are covered. So for me, I was like, I don't want to accidentally commit heresy one day because I had this video editing background and I was like, what if I make videos that aren't true or something on accident? So I went and got a master's in theology because I just, I love studying the depth and the richness of who God is that he's like this multifaceted diamond, we say. And you can look at it at so many different angles in the light and different ways it'll shoot off and things like that. And it's kind of this infinite amount of beauty and depth and every angle is a little bit different. And yet it's this beautiful, you know, diamond. And so as I've kind of taken the time to study theology, I've realized that I think you're right. There are a lot of women who don't feel permission to be a theologian. And there's kind of this default of like, well, that's what the professionals do. But at the same time, like it's your faith that you're getting to live out. So it should be your business, like to pay attention to what am I believing? What am I communicating? And how do I communicate that? And so I think as women, we can often feel Uh, And as humans, like we can often feel so intimidated, like, I don't know Greek, I don't know Hebrew, you know, whatever that is. And one great way that it was described to me when I was learning Greek was that there's this idea of, you know, the dog. So the, like the name, the word for a dog in Spanish is perro, right? So the goal of the translator is not to say 
dog equals perro, the role of the translator is to say dog equals a four-legged creature that has fur and barks. So what you're not doing is just like, here's the word for that. What you're really saying is here's what it means Mm -hmm. and really painting a picture. And so when we dig into theology, when we pull apart a word like transubstantiation, like, yeah, that's like really intimidating on the surface. But if we as theologians aren't able to actually apply it to our lives and live it out, then it's a theology that's only in books and it's not actually in our hearts and our minds and our actions. And so when I think of the intimidation factor of that, sometimes it's like our theology has to be approachable because our God is approachable. The language that he actually used for, so for example, Koine Greek, which is what the New Testament is written in. uh, Originally, when they first found it, there weren't very many things in Greek culture written in that form of Greek. It was kind of this different sort of language. It wasn't quite classical Greek, which is like what philosophers would use, uh, what professionals would use. And so they were like, maybe it's just this special Bible Greek. But what they found as they started doing more excavating, more historical analysis, they realized that Koine Greek, which is the language of the New Testament, is the language of letters and receipts and transactions and signs and things that normal people used. So in the same way that we don't speak, you know, very fancy royal English, uh, we use our own slang, our own terminology. The way that God came to us in biblical language was not in classical Greek and all of the fancy professionals. It was in Koine Greek, the the language of, you know, love letters and receipts. And I love that about who God is because it reminds me that he wants to meet us right where we're at. And he doesn't have an expectation that we have to be smarter or better to meet him, but he's going to come and meet us because that is what incarnation means that he comes down to us to be one of us. And so I think when we dig into theology, what it really means is this is what we believe about God. And this is why it matters. It matters in parenting. It matters in the way I talk to my nieces and my nephew. It matters in the way I go to the grocery store and I don't get annoyed if someone cuts me off in traffic. It affects everything from, as I like to say, you know, it affects everything from, you know, taking communion to building a sandwich. Like Mm. God is in the midst of those things. And the more that we learn that language, the more that we pay attention to who he is and dig into that, it could be a Bible study. It could be a podcast. It could be any kind of, you could go to seminary, I guess. But those resources, when we actually are able to dig into them, make everything richer. It's like glasses by which we see the world. And all of a sudden, everything is clearer. The first time I got glasses, I put them on and I realized there were leaves on that tree over there. (laughs) It's a whole new world. Exactly. So I think theology is a lens. And so, you know, making sure that you're really focusing on that can really change the way that you see everything. It's so good. I in 2011, I took a, this an in-depth class, discipleship class at my church and we went through a lot of theological studies that I had never been through before in my, you know, at that time, you know, I've been following the Lord for 20 years and so you know, 9 years ago that I'd never even kind of dove into before and mm. I'm embarrassed. I've said this before publicly, but I'm embarrassed to say that when I first started that class, I had this like do I really need this? Like, hmm. you know, I can read my Bible. I like trust my pastors, all those things. And do I really need this? And now I'm like, Jamie Ivy, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> yes, of course you need this. You get to dive into the scripture just like anyone else, just like everything you just said. And it did. Hmm. It changed my entire view of God. It changed my entire view of the world. It changed my life, how I work, everything. Um, and so it's important. And I think you would say the same thing that I would say is that someone 
you know, whoever's listening, woman, man, you know, young adult, old lady, whatever, that you have the opportunity to to dive into scripture. And you don't even have to go to seminary to do that. Like you don't even have no. to go to a master's degree to do that. Like you and I, you have a master's, I don't. But everyone else, <laughs> we can do the same thing. We can dive in. We just don't have to sit through all the classes like you did. But it yeah. is approachable and it is good. And so I love that so much. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why I love good Bible teachers and people that have sort of stood the test of time and are pretty solid, right? Like we know that even in scripture in the New Testament, the Bereans were people who heard something and said, does this line up with scripture? So it's like intimately acquaint yourself with scripture so that when you hear things, you'll know if it lines up or not. But if you don't read scripture, if you don't really take time to invest in your faith in that way and grow in your faith in that way, then someone might say something and you might be like, oh, I guess that's right. And it might not be. Mm. So it's like, it also allows us to kind of stay within those bounds. I think of like the bumpers they put up at the bowling alley. It's like, we don't want you in the gutter. Like just if you have good, these good um, sort of boundary markers, then knowing scripture allows us to get where we need to go. Yeah. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. 
I personally love a good 45 minute hip hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. You know, I've heard you say that you're kind of convinced that we learn a lot right now through loss. And you've endured some loss in the past 18 months of your life. This is not a loss. This is a great thing. But you released a book about a year ago, Kingdom Come, Finding Holy in the Here and Now, which I think is such a great conversation about what we're about to dive into about how God, Jesus meets us in those valleys and he meets us in the loss. My favorite line from Graves in the Gardens by Elevation right now is that you're the God of the mountaintop and the God of the valley. And mm. you said, you know, I'm convinced that we learn through loss. And then you said a bunch of things that have been going on in your life. And I know you lost one of your closest friends last November. So talk to me about this learning through loss and what that's looked like for you in the past 12, 18 months. I think that we can say in seasons of fair weather and when everything is great that God is X, Y, and Z. We can be like, God is good. God is faithful. God is strong, which is great uh, and still true. But when we hit seasons of loss, I thought that I kind of knew loss before this year. I felt like I'd been through some things in my life. You know, I kind of get it. And to some degree, I'm sure I did. But this last year, it was a really wicked season of loss that just sort of kept coming. And so my friend Jill, she got sick. About a year and a half ago, she got sick at the beginning of 2019, and then she was given a clean bill of health, and she lived her life for six months. Uh, She had ovarian cancer, and they had done surgery and removed things. And about six months later, and we're actually coming up on the anniversary at the end of this month, she had just horrific stomach pain, went to the hospital, and cancer was everywhere. So for the next 86 days, we walked through the highs and lows of that, mostly, if we're honest, the lows of that. Um, We didn't know if she would make it through the night all 86 of those days. Mm. And so, you know, we would talk and sometimes we'd watch Netflix, you know, together and text each other and watch a goofy movie. But for the most part, it was survival and conversations. And I think that's when is God really good, faithful and strong, really you know, it's kind of the moment where it really hits the canvas and it's like, oh, this is really happening. And I think that sometimes we share a gospel that is so focused uh, as it should be on victory and hope and all these sort of positive attributes that we forget that the gospel is also in these defeats. It's in the pain that he has to meet us in the pain before we get to the victory. And so therefore, you know, if Jill had called me and said, Hey, I'm really struggling. I'm in a lot of pain. And if I had just been like, but don't worry, like Mm. there's hope tomorrow or don't worry, Jesus has the victory. Like, great, but that's not what meets us in our loss. And so I think this year of just losing so much of walking through the process, it wasn't even necessarily that Jill is gone. I mean, that is hard, but it's how she went and how hard that was and just how long that was. And I think about those conversations we had and and we really had the opportunity to kind of cut the crap and say, you know what, like, let's talk about what you're really feeling. Like you are at the end of your life. Like, what do you need uh, in this dire moment when we're just kind of bouncing from, you know, thing to thing, 
in good seasons, but this is the season where it really counts. And so I remember having a conversation with her one night where I was sitting in the driveway on the phone with her and she was saying, you know, we were just discussing, we don't know which way this is going to go. We don't know if she's going to recover. And there was like a new treatment she was going to try, you know, as kind of a Hail Mary. And we're like, we don't know if that's going to work. We don't know if she's going to end this, you know, part of her life, you know, as a result of this. And so we're talking about not knowing which way it's going to go. And I remember telling her, Jill, I said, to be honest, I would like you to outlive me. Like, I would love it if we were two old ladies, you know, uh, just going out and having a good time and giving everyone a hard time because she's a really fun person, one of my favorite fun people. And I said, you know, I would love to do that with you. And I would love for you to outlive me well into your 90s. And I said, but I also know that this might be it. And I said, and if it is, we're going to be really sad and it's going to be really heavy and we're going to miss you so much. And I was like, but you're going to be on the other side and you're going to open your eyes and look around. And before you can even process what's happening, we're going to be there. And we just had this really beautiful, hard conversation about the reality of if this is it, I guess the Lord is still who he says he is. Mm -hmm. And walking through that with her, I think, you know, I miss her, but it's like, she's barely even opened her eyes, right? We know that in heaven, like a thousand years is like a day and, and a day is like a thousand years. And so it's one of those things where to sit there with her, the last, like the worst thing I could have said to her was like, but Jill, this will inspire people or this will be interesting or this will be tweetable or this will be engaging on Instagram. Like at the end of the day, that's not what she needs. What she needed in the dark moments was the truth. And I think sometimes we have to just tell ourselves those stories. I remember another time we sat there and she couldn't quite talk because she was just barely breathing in a lot of pain. And I said, what do you want me to say? And she was like, I just need you to talk. And I was like, oh gosh, like, what do I say? And so I literally started, I said, well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I said, and this is what we know is true. Because right now, like me saying, it'll be okay is not helpful. So we just walked through the narrative of scripture. And we talked about how God led his people through the wilderness, how he set them free, and how they made a lot of bad mistakes. And then Jesus shows up and we just went through the narrative of scripture for probably like a half hour. And that was it. And I said, and this is what we know is true, because everything in our lives right now feels upside down but at least we know that those things happened and this is who God is. And so Jill's last words to me, we were on the phone. I was actually with Lisa Whittle. I went and visited our friend Lisa in the fall. And the last conversation I had with Jill, it was her and her husband. And I was on speakerphone and I said, Jill, I said, I'm going to need you to get better because we have to go to Disneyland because we said we were going to go to Disneyland and we never did. And so I need you to get better so we can do that. And her last words to me were, I'll get right on that. And it's just like, I just love that, like, she was so no nonsense and we were so straightforward and it has been a tremendous loss to lose her. But I feel like there was nothing that was left, you know, like everything was on the table and there was nothing that we hid and we just said, hey, it's junk. We're watching Netflix. Hey, it's junk. We're telling the truth. And that's what we did. And I think that loss reminds me of what actually matters. It's not how many people read my book. It's not how many people are paying attention to this podcast. What really matters is stepping into whatever it is the Lord has for me, not overthinking it and just telling the truth because we spend a lot of time wasting time, I think. 
God, so good. And I'm sitting here, Melissa, and I'm just thinking, you are such a dear friend. And I want that friend in my life if I find mm-hmm. myself in the situation that Jill's in of a diagnosis that does not look promising to live to 90. Like, I want that. I think I really do. No, I know I do. I want someone who's going to tell me the truth. And we're going to talk about Jesus and the loss and the desperation and that he meets us right there. And so, A, I just mm-hmm. want to tell you, you're a great friend to your friend. That's very cool. And I also know that there's people listening that they are needing to hear that encouragement because it may not be a cancer diagnosis with 86 days to live, but it could be anything going on right now that feels mm-hmm. like such a loss, such a disappointment. I mean, I feel like that I sound like a broken record in every interview almost, but in the middle of the season of 2020, everyone's experiencing disappointment. Everyone is. And so whether what scale it's on, you know, that's different, but the fact that we can know what is true and hold on to that, that that won't change no matter if there's a diagnosis, a loss of a job, a sickness, whatever that might be, we can know, hold on to what is true. So what a great friend Mm -hmm. you are to her. Thanks. Can I say a quick note about being a good friend? Mm -hmm. Because that's very kind of you. Thank you. Something that I think some listeners might need to hear, though, is that Jill and I met freshman year of college in the basement in the laundry room. We had actually met the first day during orientation and then kind of saw each other around campus. And so one night I go into the basement to do my laundry at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And I can't remember if she was there first or I was, one of us needed the dryer the other was using. So we pulled the other person's stuff out. And when they walked in, like we were doing their laundry and like folding it for them. So we weren't the jerk that just dumped it on the floor. And we became really good friends during college. And she asked me to be a bridesmaid in her wedding about a year after we graduated. And at that point, I mean, it's post-college. You don't keep in touch with a lot of people. We didn't really super keep in touch. And I was honestly very surprised that I was asked to be in her wedding. And I remember very just her intentionality and saying, I want you to be part of my life. And I don't think I would have if she hadn't been an intentional friend and said, I'm inviting you into this. And so when I got to be in her wedding, it was like mental note, Jill is a big deal. And this is a friendship you really want to work with, or this is a friendship you really want to build. And so I remember being part of the wedding and then she and Dan got married and they were married for over five years. But those first few years, like she was moving, I was moving, we kind of fell out of touch. And really in the last year or so of her life had really reconnected in that way. So while we had history, we weren't close all the time leading up to it. And the reason I bring this up is because I've often believed I wasn't a good enough friend because there were those wasted years, those years of silence and what happened. And I wish I had been there and I should have called her when I thought of her instead of just randomly shooting her a text. But I think we all have those relationships where it's like, it's too late to reach out or we used to be close, but like that friendship being rekindled. I don't know if it's worth the effort, but I can tell you that it is a hundred percent worth the effort and it is never too late for a friendship to continue to grow because when Jill and I really needed friendship was in that last 86 days. And it was an absolute honor to do that for her. I'm so glad you said that. And you're so true about that. Now I want to talk about this real quick, because I know that you have recently launched a podcast, which you know, I'm a fan of because we're on a podcast right now. And I love when I see women, men too, but I love when I see people starting new podcasts because A, I'm like, this is a fun job, you guys. Come on, let's all do this together. And B, I know it's such a great medium to reach people right where they are. I mean, we have our phone that we can download and listen to anything, which has its curses and also has its amazing blessings for technology and podcasts is one of them. 
awesome. So let's talk about your new podcast. Tell everybody what it is. So the podcast is called Cheer Her On, and you can find it just at, at Cheer Her On on Instagram or CheerHerOn.com. And the vision of it came to me about not literal vision, people, but like it's okay the idea. if it is, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> the clouds parted. No, when I was living in Nashville about two and a half years ago. I had this idea, uh, the name Cheer Her On popped into my head. And I thought at the time, I'm like, maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a, I don't know what it is. And so I outlined it, not knowing what it was. And I thought, these are some Bible verses that go with this idea. And I wanted to create a community where women just cheered on each other in a place where usually, you know, on the internet, it's pretty divisive. And so I was like, I want something like that. But I also really deeply believe in discipleship. And I wanted to create an environment where we just got to like encourage one another, sure, but also talk about who are the women that got us to where we are because no one gets here alone. I've said a few times, even on my podcast, a professor once said during a speech in seminary, he said, if you see a turtle on a fence post, the one thing you can know is that it didn't get there by itself. And I love that because it's true. When you see a woman existing, you know that she didn't get there by herself. And so Cheer Her On is a community of women. Our tagline is look her in the eye, tell her the truth and cheer her on. And so we get people, some of whom people know of, some of them don't have any platform at all. But the goal is to say who was the person and who were the people that really got you to this point. And then my favorite thing, we sort of switch it and we say, okay, so who do you want to cheer on? And so uh, they kind of use the platform of the podcast to say, these are you know, four or five women that you got to have in your newsfeed, because even if they're not famous, it is rich and it is good content and you need it. I love that so much. Who are the women that got you where you are today? So I have been working in women's ministry, so to speak, for a number of years. I've always been passionate about it. It was my minor in college. And I think the reason is because I believe deeply in the women of the local church. And so those women for me were women, I'm thinking of Susie and Debbie and Tawny and Barb and Mary and these women who were part of our local church. I grew up in a little Baptist church in California and they would just reach out to me. They would take me out garage sailing. They would teach me about gardening. They taught me about food prep. They taught me about like all these sort of different things in my life. And I always joke that the reason I love the women of the local church is because I was raised by them. They taught me so many little things that I may or may not use in my daily life, but I always knew that I was loved by this group of women. And I remember one of them, her name was Rosie Shoulders, which is a great name. Great name. Such a great name. And Rosie, I remember my mom, she had had surgery. And so we, you know, were momless for a minute. And so the ladies of the church came over and they like cleaned the house and they did the laundry and they brought a meal. And it was all while we were at school. So I came home and I'm walking around. I'm like, oh, the house looks nice. But like, what do I know? I'm in like third grade. (laughs) And the phone rings and it's rosy shoulders. And I pick up the phone and she just goes right to brass tacks. She goes, Melissa, (laughs) she goes, in a few minutes, the buzzer is going to go off for the dryer. And when it does, you need to take the clothes out or they're going to get a weird smell. And that was it. Like, that's all she said. But I, it was like, it was this sweet, kind way of mothering me because she knew that like, you know, my mom wasn't there at that moment. And so she was like, hey, just so you know, take them out of the dryer. And I just love that example and the way that those women loved us so deeply growing up. And so now when I go home, I really make time and kind of a concerted effort to go on walks with them or to grab lunch with them because I just have like 50 moms and it's awesome. And yeah, they're just, they're a really sweet support group. And I've loved 
getting to learn different things from different women. I love that so much. Okay, Ladies of the Church. That sounds like that could be a podcast or a book. That's a cool oh, name. Yeah. The Ladies it's of true. the Church. Well, yeah. because as soon as I say it, if I'm like, Jamie, you know the Ladies of the Church, like you have people in mind. It's like, it's the best. Oh my gosh, it is the best. I'm even, th- it's got me thinking back, like when I first started following Jesus, I was a hot mess, Melissa. And <laughs> I think there was this woman named Carrie, two women come to my mind, Carrie Oglesby um, and Amy Goen. And both of these ladies, they... It's funny now because at the time I'm, you know, like 21 year old, just started following Jesus. And to me, they were awesome and cool and hip, but they also had kids and I was 21. And so it's funny looking back that I am who they were then, you know, like I'm now that mom, but they, those ladies, Carrie and Amy, they really, really, really walked alongside me and helped me learn and understand what it meant to follow Jesus. And they were there when my husband and I started dating. They were at my wedding. And I just, you've got me reminiscing about the ladies who really, and they weren't like mothers to me because I was 21. And not that you don't need a mom when you're 21, but I just wasn't in that stage of life. They were more like these big sisters who stepped in and really, really showed me what it means to follow Jesus. And I have not thought of them in that way in a long time. So thank you for stirring that up in me. Oh yeah, girl. We all got them. We all have them. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Okay, I'm going to throw this on you because I did not prep you for this. Who do you want to cheer on these days? Oh, I actually am like I'm hosting your show for just a second because this is so fun. (laughs) I love it. Okay, so one of them is my friends, Taylor Lenhart and Jess Ray. They're musicians and they have this band called Mission House. And they write. My husband loves Jess Ray. Would that be possible? It's very possible. Yeah. I'm going to text him right now while we're talking. Yes. So Taylor Lenhart and Jess Ray are incredible musicians in their own right as, as solo artists, but they have come together and just built some beautiful music and it's fun and it's inspiring and it is rich lyrically and I love it. And so they just released their first like full length album. They had a shorter one last year. And so Mission House is one of my favorite things in the world. And I just really, it's so rich. Nicole Staples is an artist. Her Instagram handle is acrylic and ink. And she does really beautiful artwork. And she and I met through for girls like you out in Nashville. And she's part of the team over there and is just really an amazing artist. And I feel like every time she posts, it's just, it's beautiful and it's kind of awe-inspiring. And so I just, I love her work. And so I'm often inspired by what she's doing. The other one is Maggie Johnson, and she is a Bible teacher. She and I went to college together, and she's a mom and has a really rich way of bringing theology into very ordinary things. And so Maggie and I recently reconnected after we hadn't talked for a couple of years after college, but we were like, we're doing the same thing. We should talk about this. And so I just, I mean, she is 
you know, she is spicy. She'll go after something and be really straightforward about it. And so compassionate and just so honest about the way things are. And I love the way she talks about God. I love the way she talks about theology. So Maggie Johnson is definitely up there in like every time she posts something on Instagram, I'm like, yep, that's what I needed. I love this. I love it. I'm a girl who loves to share things that she's loving. And so this is so fun for me because I just want everyone to know all the amazing people. Okay. So speaking of what you're loving, what are you reading and what are you loving these days? What am I reading? What am I loving? Okay. So I mean, it came out like a year ago, but You Are the Girl for the Job by Jess oh, Connolly yeah, was a yeah. book. I, believe it or not, I don't read a ton of like Christian living women's nonfiction. Like the book that you wrote and <laughs> I, I wrote. write. I know. I hear you. It's good. It's well, fine. part of it also is I'm like afraid that I'm going to accidentally steal someone's idea. Like I'll be reading one person and then if I'm writing something, I'll like start to pull their voice into it. Oh, you know what's funny about Jess Connolly? I adore Jess and her book came out... I, I don't know when it came out, but I had a pre-copy. I had it with me on it. I remember this because I was flying internationally last year. And I started reading her book and I thought, like, I'm writing this same thing. I got to put this book away. So I read like the first chapter and then put it away and had to finish it later because I was in yep. the middle of writing. And I was like, I can't read this. And I love when I see like people are saying the same thing, like God's moving and talking to things. But I knew I could not read Jess's book until I finished writing my own book. But I'm a big fan oh, yeah. of Jess Conley. Oh, absolutely. So now that I'm done with the book writing, right? I'm like, all right. Right, But yeah, I read that book. Actually, I listened to that book when I was driving down to New York for like a speaking engagement, which I like never have really had outside of like a community I was already a part of. And so I spent that trip actually on the phone with my friend Jill and listening to Jess Connolly. And so maybe that's also part of why it was so significant. But I just, I love the message And I think we all need to know that we're the girl for the job. This morning, I had a task that was challenging. And it was one of those, like, you just got to hit send kind of things. And I literally put on my girl for the job t-shirt. I I, like put it on, hit send, and then changed my outfit. Because I was like, I just need to be reminded of this. I love it so much. Okay, so Jess Conley, you're the girl for the job. What are you loving? What am I loving? Well... I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to just love a season. I've been really soaking up summer because it's coming to a close. Summer in New England is a magical thing. And so I've just been loving taking time and just going and watching summer do its thing. So sometimes it's going to the beach. Sometimes it's going on a walk. I think just intentionally getting myself outside while we can here in New England has been really, really good for me because sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, it's too hot. I don't want to go do a thing. But it's like, I think that I've really loved creating margin and making time to just go and look at something beautiful and not have to quantify it or turn it into content or whatever. But it's like, just go look at something lovely. And I've been trying to make time for that every day. And that's been really, really fun. I love for me. that. You're not missing those Texas summers, are you? No. Well, I miss the AC because we don't have that here. So <laughs> wait, you don't have AC? No. So you have like window units and things like that. But realistically, but no air. Yeah. So if it's 80 outside, it's 82 inside. So that's not that's ideal. so funny because lately, this is so random, but on Instagram, a lot of people have sent me messages recently. They'll see like a picture I post or something and they'll ask me, how do you have a sweatshirt on? It's so hot. And I'm always like, but it's so cold in our houses. Like it's so yeah. cold that like literally we live in sweatshirts because it's so cold inside because we just keep our AC down pretty low in our house. But it's kind of funny, but you're sweating up there. You know, we get there, we get there. Today it's like, but this is the thing about New England is like today is an average summer day. It's like 79. 
So it doesn't get, I know. Can you imagine? No, I can't. That's like, that's like one day in October in Austin. <laughs> Maybe. <Exactly. laughs> so nice. So nice. Melissa. Okay. I'm so grateful for your voice today. As we talked about, you know, women and men stepping into theology, you don't have to be a scholarly preacher to study God's word and thankful for that reminder. And then I'm just really thankful for the way that you invested in your friend. Even if you were saying it was the last year and a half of year of her life, it's the kind of friend that we ought to all want to be. And so thank you for letting us into that personal relationship that you had there, especially in the last 86 days of her life. And I'm just so excited for your podcast and everything you're doing. So thanks for coming on the happy hour today. Yeah, absolutely. It was great being here. Friends, I am so thankful for Melissa and her story and the way that her life was influenced by someone cheering her on and now she is doing the same. Guys, text a friend today. Go cheer somebody on today in whatever they're doing. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper and music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. If there's anything you're wondering about, check out the show notes. Go to jamieivy.com slash hh324 to find all the show notes from today's episode. And don't forget, if you'd like information about my newest book, UBU, text UBU, all one word, no spaces, to 33777. Friends, enjoy your week. Share the show with a friend. Have a happy hour with a friend. And I'm going to see you guys this Friday with Andrew Peterson. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.